started reading, and it was in the middle of this story that God had laid on my heart. And I was like, okay, God, I'm hearing you loud and clear. So this is not necessarily a sermon, um, but it's a story God, had given, God gave me that I'm actually going to read to you. I'm used to reading to seventh through ninth graders. Um, so if it's a little dramatic, I'm sorry. But um, what this story deals with is circumstances in our life that can kind of chip away at our heart and over the years leave us almost shattered. But what God does through that. So I'm going to read it to you and then just, just pray at the end because I feel like God wants to do something special in each of our hearts. So it's titled The Girl with a Glass Heart. And my parents may remember this and Beverly may remember this too. She was born with a glass heart and her parents loved her dearly. They told her she was beautiful and that she had a purpose and a destiny. They protected her heart and the more they poured love into her, the more her heart reflected the beautiful light around her. She knew she was adored and she felt secure in the presence and love of her parents. They called her Sarah, which meant princess, because she was their princess. On the road to life, Sarah danced and twirled and her movements caused the light around her to reflect off her glass heart. She was secure, pure, and innocent. She wanted to make people happy from the light from her heart. However, something happened when she received the news that her parents were taken from her in an accident. A tiny crack formed in her heart. She tried to ignore it, but the crack spread and soon a piece fell to the ground. As it did, a word floated past her and swirled around her head. She whipped around, trying to make out what the word said. The swirling word made her turn in a circle and as she came full term, a word landed on her arm, abandoned. No, she could not accept that. She continued walking on the road of life knowing that her aunts, uncles, grandparents, friends of her parents, somebody would take her in. She knocked on one door and it closed in her face and she knocked on another door and that one closed and another and another and another. With each slamming door in her face, a fragment of glass could be heard falling to the ground and shattering on the path. Voices called out mocking her, you're not Sarah, you're not a princess mocking the very meaning of her name that her parents gave her. Tiny fragments, shattering in thousands of pieces, her looking about wondering, how is this possible? After the last door was shut in her face, she slowly backed away from it, looking at how dark and how monstrous it stood before her. Feeling the weight of rejection, her breath picked up and another word swirled around her, landed on her other arm orphan. Continuing on walking down the path of life, she rubbed her arms, both of them hurt, the labels gripping unforgivingly to her skin. She could not get them off. A few steps later, she met a man. Perhaps he would love her. He promised to. Therefore, she sought love from him, the kind she got from her parents but he wasn't like her parents. The love was cruel and cold and based on conditions. 
He promised that he would love her on one condition. And when she gave him the one thing her parents taught her was sacred and special, it happened again. This time, two words came to her, joining in a dance, taunting her. They landed on her forehead, and as it smacked her forehead, her whole body shook, releasing more glass that shattered on the path. The man reminded her that her name was not who she was. She wasn't Sarah. She was not a princess. She grabbed her head in pain, and she needed a mirror to see it. And across her forehead was shame and guilt. The path of life was harder to walk on now. She was stumbling and crying and barely breathing. Above her, she saw other words floating down toward her. No, she thought. And as they got closer, she saw worthless, self-loathing, death. She had to run. An inward battle erupted inside of her, part of her wanting to give her life to them and part of her wanting to run away from them. She ran down the path with the words slapping her in the face and tripping in her feet, going in her airways, making it harder for her to breathe. She couldn't outrun them as they smacked and landed on her body. She stopped running. She turned back and looked at the path where she was walking. Broken pieces of glass, broken pieces of her glass heart, broken pieces of her shattered glass heart lay scattered all along the path of life. Everything secure, everything familiar, everything betrayed her, left her and hurt her, bruised her, and labeled her. And then the ultimate betrayal. She turned her back on herself, and she turned her back on her own heart. She slumped to her knees and hung her head, and that's when she noticed the gaping hole in her chest where her heart used to be. Images of her shattered, scattered heart tortured her mind. She wasn't worth anything now, so she should just end it. And at that thought, the last piece of glass fell to the ground in a quiet shattering. She didn't know how long she had been there when she heard footsteps coming up behind her. She didn't want to look she had nothing left to give to the person coming up the path because it all laid scattered. Then she heard the sound of glass being swept up toward her. What are you doing? She asked tiredly without looking back or up or around her. I'm putting the pieces of this broken glass back together, a man's voice said. It appears at one point to have been a fine, beautiful piece. It's no use, she said. There are too many pieces and they all lay scattered along the trail. It's okay, I'm a carpenter. I like building and reconstructing using old pieces of different discarded material. She didn't believe him at first, but she could hear the light sound of glass crackling. She knew he was sorting the pieces to find which one fit together. She wanted to look, but she kept her head down to save herself from more hurt. She couldn't allow him to see the words that clung to her arms and her forehead and her body, the labels that the world put on and she put on herself. What's your name? He asked. Not my name, she thought. Reluctantly, she answered, Sarah. 
My name used to mean something, but not anymore. Sarah, he repeated. Do you know how to put your heart back together again? Listen, I already told you it's no use. It lays scattered on the path. There's no way you could possibly find all the pieces. Some are so small that you probably have just passed them by. And if you did try to put it back together again, it would never be the same. It's never quite right when something broken is put back together. She stopped, suddenly realizing that she never told him it was the broken pieces of her heart. How did he know that? Just leave me alone. Why do you care so much about my heart anyway? I don't even care about it. My father taught me how, was the man's gentle reply. His gentle answer allowed her to answer some more of his questions. They discussed where she was born, what her interests were, or once were, what she wanted to become and dreamed about as a little girl. She was afraid of getting hurt, and those thoughts caused the words in her arms and forehead to burn her skin again. Yet, the company was still nice to have. After some time, he said, now, for the last piece, the last piece that fell when you wanted to take your life. Wait a minute. How did he also know about that? And at that, she turned around and saw a man holding a glass heart, his hands still all cut and bleeding from saving the pieces and handling them and putting them back together. He was holding her heart out to her. She recognized it as hers, but it was more beautiful than the one that she was born with. Before she could even resist, he thrust the heart in the gaping hole of her chest. Immediately, warmth flooded her body, Goodness washed over her in waves, and it was like every good thing in her life just kept coming up again and again and just washing over her. The world's labels melted away, and as she looked at her arms, she saw that they were replaced with redeemed, loved, wanted, delighted in, saved. Her heart began to beat again and reflect the beautiful light around her the light coming from him, this carpenter before her. When his hand was still in her heart, he spoke with more authority to her than she had ever heard in her entire life. And he said, today, you are no longer scattered, but you are gathered. I am the God of the impossible. Behold, I make all things new. I create beauty from the ashes. I gather my people like a shepherd his sheep, and they are not put to shame. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are my Sarah. You are my princess. You are mine, and I am yours took a step closer to her. You are mine, and I am yours. And one step closer, you are mine, and I am yours. And I'm just going to invite you to close your eyes right now. Because like my mom said, I feel like God is doing such a deep, deep work in us and in this congregation. And I want you to think about, for a moment, and for some of you, I'm going to ask you to go there, to that place where the labels are.
And maybe you have labels like Sarah, but maybe yours are different. Maybe yours are rejection. Maybe yours are fear or abuse. Or maybe they're labels that are harder for ones for us to address, the ones we did. Maybe it's liar or cheater. But whatever those labels are that you've put on yourself or the world has put on yourself, picture them on your arm. And then picture Jesus coming and gently washing that label away and replacing it with the labels that we just heard about, redeemed, saved, loved, wanted. Rejoice over. The Song of Solomon says, he brought me to his banqueting table and his banner over me is love. A lot of what this carpenter said in the story is from the Bible, they're not my own words that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And before he formed you in your mother's womb, he knew you and had a plan for you. And I just feel like God just wants to heal those labels that you've put on yourself or that others have put on you. And he wants to replace them with his words. And as I was preparing for this, the thought hit me that a lot of the times we pray for physical healings, which is good. But perhaps out of the spiritual and emotional healings, physical healings come. So just take a moment to let him wash over you. Let him heal your heart from these labels. Depression, anxiety, those all have to flee in the name of Jesus. And remember, the battle belongs to the Lord. So when they're screaming in your ear and they're tormenting you, you tell them to look at the face of Jesus. That's who they have to deal with. They don't deal with you. They deal with Big Papa. So Father God, I just pray right now that you would do your work in our hearts and that you would heal the labels that we've placed on ourselves, God. Father, I thank you for Jesus and that he is the shepherd, and we are the sheep, and he gathers us, and he gathers the parts in our lives that were scattered, God, our hopes that maybe we abandon, God, our, our dreams. Father God, you renew the things of old, so I just pray that you would stir that up in our hearts, Father, that you would bring healing and resurrection, God, in those dead areas of our lives, like Ezekiel talks about, the dry bones becoming as flesh. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to close in reading Psalm 139. This is the scripture we used to claim when my niece Addison, who was born at 24 weeks, when she was in the hospital. But respond to it however you like. Listen, close your eyes, but just receive it. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my laying down. 
and are acquainted with all of my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before, and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, it is high I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there, and if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be at light, like light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you. But the night shines as the day, the darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they are written the days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are your thoughts for me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more than the numbers of the sand. When I awake, I am with you. So my prayer that um, you would just receive what God wants to do in the healing and the labels, getting the labels off us, because that's not how he sees you. I feel like with the labels on us and the example God has given us, the, the way Jesus approached the woman at the well is how he approaches all of us. It's always gentle, it's always specific, and there's always a healing that follows it. You are a gifted writer. That was the imagery. Couldn't you see it when she was reading it? It's fantastic. Yeah, she does teach English, so. And she's also very humble. Um, okay, so so here's what we're going to do, though, because um, I had no idea. Um, I would let you out now, but too bad. I feel like God wants to say some stuff, too. Uh, so that was for the ladies, okay? And here's the thing. I'm not a chick, and so I... Sorry, that's how I talk. That's not supposed to be disrespectful. <laughs> um, I'm not a girl. Rip this thing in half. It won't. Um, but here's the thing. I don't want to underserve the females of this, uh, of this place. But I also understand this. We don't think the same. <laughs> we don't think the same, okay? I feel like that was, a very, uh, that was very much for the women. So let me talk to the men for a second. And I've got nothing prepped. So let's just rock, Lord. Guys, we can kind of relate to that. Yeah, I've been wounded. But you know what we're taught? We're taught too bad. Suck it up, Sally. Move on. We're taught this. You're as good as what you can do. Men, if you can be honest for a second, you're as good as what you can do. Good for as tough as you are. Yeah, sure. For sure. Absolutely. And if you still want to defy gender stereotypes, I'm the communicator in my marriage, and, she, and my wife's the one who doesn't want to talk very much. So nobody's here to, to, to do gender stereotypes, okay? Don't, don't throw that on me. What I'm saying is this, though. God wants to speak to everyone, okay? And it's, it's like when he says man in the Bible, he means man and women. So, you know, whatever. That's, but whether you're a man or a woman who's had that put on you and achieve and whatever, whatever, understand God's doing the same thing. I remember that, dude. I mean, I still, I told you before, me, I pursued music for 10 years. I was what I could do. I was what I brought to the table. And, and as men, as we're aging, 
you know, the testosterone lowers down a little bit. I don't bench as much as I used to. I'm not as strong as the next guy coming up. And all of a sudden, we start to put these labels on ourselves. Bam, like she said, to keep with her story, right? Especially if you're in a profession like, uh, you know, like uh, law enforcement or anything like that. I mean, you know, it's a boys club. It's a guys club. It's let's let's do this. And I mean, me, meanwhile, we get fractured, too, as men. We do, you know, seriously. And, and like we talk about infertility a lot. We do. We focus on the women. Absolutely. But the men, too, get challenged with that because society says if you can't this, you're not a man. And lots of churches, lots of good ministries will talk to the feminine side of you. Joyce Meyer is a great one. Feel free to tag into Joyce Meyer. But not a lot of men sit up, sit up there and say, you know, I'm not as strong as I used to be, man. And I kind of feel like crap about it. I do. And I wish I wish I had time to go to the gym, but I got two kids. So I can either choose to be a good dad or I can get my pecs and my six pack back. But can I tell you, when I look in the mirror, I don't feel like as much of a man as I used to. When I need help to do stuff I used to do around the house, cutting trees and stuff. Seriously. You don't have to relate to me. This is my thing. And so who am I now? Because me at 25 was handsome as all get out. <laughs> well, he, you know, he was strong. He was athletic. He was an achiever. But who am I now? And so, so we get broken too, ladies, you know? And it's, like I said, sometimes we need healing, but it looks a lot different. It does. It does look a lot different. And that's why I specifically love this body of believers, because we have some folks who have have spent their lives with Christ Jesus, like Harry Brabon. And Harry told us stories. And this is what I heard Harry say. Ready? This is how you mature in God. And things are going to change for you, men and women, because you can say the same thing. Women, I don't look like I used to. The jeans don't fit as much. Mine don't either. Right. We all do this stuff. So I'm saying over time, it chips away at everybody's glass heart, I believe. Right. But for men, guys, listen, you're not immune to this. It may be a harder thing to access, but I have learned this, man. This is what I've learned. And I'm, I'm still working on it, but I've learned that to be a man following Christ, I got to do the one thing society tells me not to do. And that's I have to stop competing with other men. And women, you guys do it too. Oh, you're the worst, in fact. You compare, you look up and down. Like, it's, you know, I, I wear this. I mean, have we talked about this? You get dressed up for other women? Like, what is that? You know, men, we always think, like, she's getting dolled up to look good. Uh, no, she doesn't care about other men. It's, she, you know, it, yo, get, stop comparing, man. Number one, comparing will do one of two things. <clears throat> and we're talking about Jesus healing your broken heart. Comparing will do one of two things. If you're superior, it'll give you an inflated sense, and that's called pride. If you're inferior, it'll do that. It'll give you inferiority, and that's not a balance, too. The only thing you're to compare yourself to is the person God is asking you to be and moving you to be. And you know what you're responsible for today? What he's speaking to you today. That's what he's responsible for. But isn't this a thing, though, guys? Don't we all do this with these labels? And you feel like you got to do this or that? Or, or, or some people withdraw. That's some people's personalities. And other people, a lot of men especially, we get bigger. We get bigger and we get louder. Because then you'll stop doing what you're doing to me. Right? Women, you do that too. A lot of bitterness comes, you know, it builds up over time. And it starts to look like raw. But what it really feels like is ouch. Oh, that's good, huh? Huh. Let's hit our first picture, Bri. Off the cuff, man. This is not the message I had for today, but this is what I think God wants to speak of. There you go. This is just common sense, guys, but I want you to take this into your week. Look at the top. When you allow, when something happens and it changes and allows a belief, I'll do it right here. So you get a belief, right? So you know what happens? Beliefs start to influence your expectations about yourself, because you've taken that label upon yourself. So the belief will influence an expectation you have in a situation. 
And then, of course, the expectation will influence your behavior in that situation. Your behavior will then influence the results. In other words, loser. I'll tell you one. My, God bless my father. I'm not trying to, <clears throat> I'm not trying to talk smack. Uh, you know, God bless him. Uh, he was a good dad. He did his best. Broken people, loving broken people. But one day my dad looked at me at Ponderosa and said, you know what your problem is, AJ? You think you're more than you are. And we were talking about something. And sure enough, I was popping off at the mouth about something and whatever. But let's say I took that on, guys. Let's start right at the top. Belief. I'm less than I think I am. I'm lesser. That'll influence my expectation about what happens when I approach that, that woman that I ended up married. Would, would I have approached her? Would I have taken this job, which I knew would be a, right? Would I reach out to try to make new friends when, when, when I'm less than I think I am? No, I wouldn't. So it would influence my expectation. The expectation would influence my behavior. I don't go over. I don't interview for that job. I keep my mouth shut because who would want to hear from a guy who's less than he thinks he is? And that influences the results because all of a sudden nobody's listening to me and I have no friends and I'm alone and it must be because, boom, I think I'm more than I am. Do you understand what, do you understand this? So that was a beautiful illustration of the moment we walked to Christ Jesus with the brokenness. But let's rewind for a minute. This is most of us pre, pre-Christ Jesus. This is what we do, guys. This is what we do. I'm not, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not, I'm not tough. So therefore, I'm not, I'm not strong. And it just goes and goes. I'm broken. And it just goes and goes and goes. And I got news for you guys. Again, this is not Dr. Phil. It's Jesus Christ who can literally stop this wheel and say, hey, you can try to pick the fruits off this tree. It's never going to kill the tree. And no offense to anybody. I believe there's value in secular psychology and stuff. But it's powerless to get to the root of the issues. Because the only one who can tell you who you are is the one who made you. And bang, stop that cycle and say, who are you? Abandoned. My mother chose not to raise me. My mother. You got all sorts of forums and stuff for dads who don't show up but what do you do when a mom chooses not to raise you me and my brother abandoned god said whoa, whoa abandoned john one adopted and if i'm adopted by him by him the one who created everything and and, and, and the universe is swirled through if i'm adopted by him and i'm accepted then i'm accepted i'm gonna expect to be accepted by you people and actually i don't really care anymore because i'm accepted by him so therefore here's what I do. I do what God tells me to do and then I go home. And then the results happen and I do have friends and I am accepted. Right, Bev? But if I took, if I took abandon, if I, if I kept abandoned, I'm 38 years old. If I kept abandoned, you know what would happen? I'd remain abandoned. Let's do the next one. This is shame, fear, and control. This comes out of the garden, guys. I was naked. I was afraid, so I hid myself. Guys, if you want, thank you for taking notes in the back. I'll put these up on the Facebook page. They'll put the pictures up so you can see them, so you don't have to take such ferocious notes. This is a shame, fear, and control stronghold that comes from the glasses, the glass breaking apart in your heart, okay? Adam and Eve said, I was naked, I was afraid, and I hid myself. So we start this cycle. I'm only going to touch on this. I'm not going to preach all day on this, but shame gives way to fear, and fear gives way to control. So shame th- says things like this. I'm a mistake. I'm flawed. I'm bad. I'm ashamed. I'm defective. And that gives way to fear. People are going to find out I'm shamed. I'm flawed, right? And so what do you do when you're afraid? You go into control mode because doggone it. They're not going to find out who I really am. And so you get stuck on this thing, man. And everybody spends their lives again before Christ Jesus comes over with shame, fear, and control. You know, right now you can think of a word curse. Somebody said to you, a friend of mine, someone said they were a turkey. And they explained to the word, turkeys are so dumb, they'll look up and they'll drown. You know what? What if he had taken that on? Shame, 
Fear other people are going to find out. You know what? I'm not going to talk in this meeting anymore. I know God says this, and I should help this person out, but nobody wants to hear what I want to say. I'm a turkey. Then you go into control. And guys, we're all living this. We're all living this in different ways. Nobody's coming at you today. Don't you understand? King Jesus, Dr. Jesus is here to say, guys, I get to tell you who you are. You know, one of the things I've heard in conversations, I'm broken. I'm broken. My body's broken. My mind is broken. I'm depressed. I am depression. I am this. I am that. Look, a lot of it has to do with the cycle that we bought into. And I'm not speaking about medical depression. That's a real thing. Go get meds. There's nothing wrong with that. But shame, fear, and control. I was naked. I was afraid. And so I hid myself. We have this hope. I was going to talk and I won't. Again, we'll, we'll shut it down. But I was going to talk to you about my Uncle Tom who died yesterday. He, uh, he, was a Marine, he was a Marine and then he was a drill sergeant in the Army. So, you know, he had that kind of personality. You know what I'm trying to say? You can already picture him. Very straight-laced, tough as nails. He suffered for the last 19 months. Bruce and I went to see him last summer. And the dude was in a, a, a room the size of a college single with another person. Rochester's hospital is way overcrowded. I was, my skin crawled, but he just dealt with it. He had a trach in, right? A feeding tube. Dude didn't eat food for 19 months. When we were there, though, was he depressed? Was he crying? Was he poor me? Dude was tough as nails. Just says, oh, he couldn't talk, but he would mouth it, and I would read his lips. And he was just like, just got to get home. Just got to get home. And I held his hand the whole day. But I want to tell you real quick about this hope. Okay, ready? So Uncle Tom made some decisions. Nobody's here to talk any bad about anybody, okay? We're broken people making broken decisions. Uncle Tom inherited a, a sin nature of alcohol from his father, I come to find out. Now, all this is speculation. I don't know, because families keep secrets, which stops with me, by the way. My kids want to know I'm done. If I made mistakes, they need to know. I hate secrets in families anyway. So anyway, Uncle Tom chose that and got shackled to, to alcohol. Um, he, he actually guarded a president, I believe, in Arlington Cemetery. Really cool, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're but anyway, he was tough as nails. Never raised his voice. Anyway, <laughs> you'd never hear him like laugh out loud or raise his voice. This is how he always talked. He just talked like this. And so if you wanted to hear him, you had to lean in, you know. Uh, long story short, Uncle Tom made choices. When I buried my father, I gave my first eulogy, which right now doesn't sound like a big deal because I'm comfortable on a microphone. But it was my first act of ministry was you. AJ, we want you to do the service to bury your best friend slash dad. Yeah. Ugh. But God showed himself strong and I did. And I actually preach the gospel and anyway uncle tom was in the back i just i want to share this story it's not preaching this is sharing uh uncle tom was in the back and i saw him get up and leave halfway through and i just i didn't think anything of it oh poetically i was wearing my father's suit because i didn't have one and it draped off of me he was a way way bigger man but the, the irony or the, the that picture is not lost on me that a 25 year old boy that day was told to step up and bury his dad and be a man. Well, so I asked Uncle Tom, asked Mom, um, why did Uncle Tom leave, man? And she goes, um, he heard all the stuff you were saying about your dad and how close you were and how you were best friends. And he just said, I'm not sure anybody would say that about me. Now, that was 12 years ago. Are you ready for the hope that can happen when Jesus enters your life? This is my Marine Corps drill sergeant uncle who heard what I had to say about his, his brother, his little brother, and he went, and you know what? He made a change. This is crazy. Somewhere along the lines, Uncle Tom put down alcohol and overcame it. And I mean overcame it to the tomb where he could have a glass of wine with you. That kind of overcame it. 
Like, isn't that crazy? Yeah, I mean, you hear, like my father couldn't touch it and wouldn't have Listerine for 30 years. He made it his... What's a word I can use there? <laughs> he, yeah, his subservient thing. There you go. He put it under his feet. There you go. Thanks, Sandy. Um, he had such power over it, right? He, he, he went and, and reconciled with his wife. Um, that, that was tumultuous. And I got to tell you, they had the, the... I've never seen two people be closer and more loving in the last 20 years. And he actually reconciled with his daughter and her kids. This is 12 years. And you know, he passed yesterday and you know who called me? His daughter crying and upset because they, he did it. He did it. She's saying the same things I said 12 years ago about his little brother. He did it. And I come to find out and Bruce and I had gone there, right, Bruce? And, and we prayed with him. And, and I actually, I, I, I asked Jesus into my heart and my situation and gave him the opportunity to do that as well. Remember, he couldn't speak. So I trust God with that. Well, yesterday I was talking to mom and she said, um, well, when I was talking on the phone, I was talking to Pete and guys, here's the thing for you, male or female. I felt okay, but I would weep yesterday. Right, Britt? I'd be doing something stupid like doing the dishes and tears would roll down my face. I'm like, what the hell? I'm fine. I feel fine. I just want to get on the motorcycle. and I want to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I would, I would be, I took the garbage out and I'm like weeping. I'm like, what the, oh my gosh. We're mind, soul, and spirit, right? Something in my spirit hurt. But as I was talking on the phone to Pete to try to heal a little bit, God spoke something to me. It's my voice inside of me, but it's wisdom. And it said this, you really think he just conquered alcohol without me? And I went, no, absolutely. So wait, does that mean? And then mom confirmed it yesterday. When he was ready, he went to his mother when she was still alive, my grandmother, and said, Mom, I've jacked things up. There's just, I got two kids that won't talk to me. Uh, uh, the marriage is on the fritz. And you know, what, you know what grandma did? Grandma's Catholic. She goes, you need Jesus. You need God. Make it happen. Put away your pride. And God gave me a realization. That's exactly what happened. And so when you're talking about beauty for ashes and we're singing a song called I Have This Hope, I want to tell you something. The labels that you've worn, the shame, fear, and control, the self-fulfilling prophecy, every day is a day where God can actually take this and put an end to it. Every day. And all we have to do is reach out and say, this is me. This is my story. I don't want this anymore, Father. How many people in here have ever given something to God and he truly takes it? Amen. Amen. Exactly. I am not that anymore. Boy, Ricky, someday you'll get up and share your story. The stuff that stuck to Rick for a while and Jesus said no that's not who you are that's not who you are so I want to honor my Uncle Tom with that story today and I love that and he did he he passed away somewhat peacefully and they didn't keep him on a vent or anything like that um, and he, he left a legacy he, he God turned it all around and if you're reading the pages of his life all of a sudden you'll get to one page where all of a sudden Jesus wrote his name on Uncle Tom's page in his life so we're going to sing a song called I Still Believe. Now, I would love to be able to hold everybody's hand and say, guys, I want to drag you to the Father with your labels. I want you to acknowledge you're on this and break it. But this is something, let this work begin in you right now and let it continue throughout the week. Bruce and Brenda are sitting right there and so is Steph. Please, guys, if something's moving in your heart, just ask for prayer. You don't even have to tell them, just say, will you pray for me? That's all you got to do, okay, before you leave. So let's sing, I still believe. We, we choose, despite what's happened, we believe that you are the king, Lord. All right, sorry about that. 
scattered words and empty thoughts that seem to pour from my heart. I've never felt so torn before. It seems I don't know where to start, but it's now that I feel your grace fall like rain from every fingertip. Washing away my pain I still believe Your faithfulness And I still believe Your truth And I still believe Questions fog up my mind with promises I still seem to bear. And even when answers slowly unwind, it's my heart I see you prepare. But it's now that I feel your grace fall like rain from every fingertip. Washing away my pain I still believe in your faithfulness And I still believe in your truth And I still believe
so much that you're not going to allow anything or anyone to brand us, anything besides what you've created us to be, wonderfully, fearfully made, more than a conqueror, never alone, healed, whole, and healthy in the name of Christ Jesus, guided, led, loved, trusted, help us to lay down anything that we've taken upon ourselves, these curses that, that others have branded to us, that we've branded ourselves, and help us to live out of who you've created us to be, you and only you. This week, Father, we ask that you would continue this work that you've begun in our hearts, this work of healing. You deliver us from the lies. We offer ourselves to you, Father. We trust you. Give us the faith to walk this out, Lord. We thank you for all you've done for us. We know we can trust you because of who you are. We love you and worship you in the name of Jesus. We say amen. All right, everybody, have a great week.